Some puppets have complex wire structures like the wear rabbit, and others, like Morph, are pure plasticine so they can stretch and squish into any shape. I, I think that there is a magic about stop motion, and magic is an overused word that we use it a lot about the arts. I'm using it in quite a simple, old fashioned sense. When you see a magician on stage before your eyes doing a trick, there is an absolute joy because you believe the trick and you know it was a trick at the same time. You know that that magical thing didn't happen and you cannot imagine how it's been done and you're delighted that right before your eyes this great illusion has been performed and that's the joy of stop motion to me. Morph was making a model of his own personal hero, someone he admired above all others, himself. We did consciously think, could he be a kind of universal character? You know, obviously he's literally quite small, he lives in the real world, he's a mischievous fellow. And I suppose in our heads we thought he was a bit like Charlie Chaplin. Grand Morph's home movies are like very much when some old black and white film comes to light. And it allows us to play a playful homage to Charlie Chaplin. But then later in the same sequence, there's some footage of Morph as a baby. And what I love, is Morph being embarrassed in front of his friends. Here he is, fast asleep in his cradle, and here, taking his first stumbling steps. He was a very sweet and contented baby, quite unlike Morph as he is today. So with Morph, we've always tried to do comedy that plays out entirely visually. I think some of it is perhaps, I hope, subtle observational comedy. The joke derives from the, the things Morph is thinking, the way he's thinking, the way he's reacting to circumstances around him. And some of it is broader and involves, you know, getting literally getting a pie in the face and that kind of thing. So I happily embrace silent comedy in all its forms. The real fun is character-based, like when Chaz comes on wearing an outrageous tie and Morph just laughs at him for like 30 seconds. And in the end, he pats him on the shoulder and thanks him. You know, thanks for giving me such a good laugh. I couldn't let this opportunity pass, Peter, without asking you a big question. Is Morph a nudist? Is Morph a nudist? Um, well, um, now you see, I'm looking at him now. He's, he's in front of me. In fact, I'm, I'm picking him up now and, and thinking about him. Is he a nudist? I sort of think he is. And yet, I have seen him mysteriously plunge his hands into his, into his sides to reveal that he has pockets. I think he's wearing a little suit, you know. <laughs> there is something intrinsically Aardman about every prop in their films. They even managed to make a carrot endearing. I asked David, how do you do that? How do you make a carrot endearing? I think you're right. I think, I think part of you know, the, that look, which came out of, as much as anything, the Wallace and Gromit look, is that very slightly larger than scale feel to it. You know, so if you look at the bricks, in the walls or the houses, you know, they're not to scale with the characters, they are that much bigger. I suppose you've kind of cartoonized them, for want of a better word. Uh, you've taken the essence of the object, slightly magnified it, and slightly amplified those core things. Obviously, with a carrot, you know, they, they've got little circles in them to so make those a little bit bigger, uh, make the carrot a little bit bigger, make it maybe a bit more pointy. 
Of course, Aardman have always been renowned for the incredible detail they put into their props and sets. And with the Pirates film, they really went to town. Blood Island. So called because it's the exact shape of some blood. We made this town called Blood Island. It was full of visual puns. We looked for visual humour everywhere, really. So, for example, there was hop along somebody's wooden leg door. And when you saw that wooden leg door, all the legs hanging outside, each one was like a visual pun. And the model makers and the designers have put in a world of invention to make it funny. We kind of know that no one is going to see half of them or, or, or all of them or, or any of them. The audience knows that if they were there in front of that set, they could look into the wooden leg shop and see exactly what was going on inside and just, just pick up all this this great detail. And of course, the other thing, you can probably see the craftedness in them. The fact they have been handmade and they are hand-painted and they are often hand-sculpted gives them a certain Aardman quality. I think, you know, when you look at props made in CGI, they tend to be obviously a little bit simpler. The finish or the rendering tends to be simpler because rendering time in the CGI world is actually quite expensive. In our world, there is no rendering time. You paint the thing, you put it on set and it's done. So you can have quite a lot of quite a lot of texture and subtlety to it, which is done quite quickly in the paint shop. I think we populate our scenes with props because it gives it a sort of richness, more of an atmosphere. You know, as I look around, there's all sorts of clutter. I'm sitting here in my sitting room and it's it's cluttered with all sorts of bits and pieces. I've got baskets of silly musical instruments that I never play. There's a nine men's Morris thing on a chest. There are bowls which should contain flowers stuck on top of speakers. And that's when you look outside. That gives it a sense of, of more of a world as well. The, the characters have got these things. You may never see them using the rake they're holding. It doesn't matter. They are holding a rake. You know that guy's a gardener or a small holder or something like that. It gives flavour and richness, I think, to the scenes that we build. In the final part of this podcast, we'll be exploring those quirky Aardman contraptions and what makes the perfect marmalade. <laughs>